Hello and welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Karen. My co-host, Jean, is unable to join us today, but we have a wonderful guest with us, someone that I've actually known for about 12 years, but truthfully only met face-to-face today. Dr. Janice Ellen Boss. She is the founder of Lucky Dog Cuisine. Full disclosure, Boomer has been a very... Um, excited client of Lucky Dog since he was a puppy. Uh, We have fed Lucky Dog to our sweet senior Casey, who we lost a few years ago. And now Poppy is a big Lucky Dog cuisine fan. So Janice, thank you so much for being part of the PauseGo podcast. Well, thank you. And one of the reasons we, I, I started doing what we do is to have stories like yours. It's wonderful to be able to have generations of dogs on our food that it's It's very heartwarming. Thank you. Well, thank you. You know, 12 years ago, when Boomer started eating Lucky Dog, there was no such thing as Ollie. There was no such thing as the farmer's dog. There was no such thing as what, like nature's pet or something like that. I mean, you're a real pioneer in the healthy dog food space and a a true dog entrepreneur, as we like to call them. How'd you get the idea for Lucky Dog? Well, you're right, though, Karen, we were the first. And when we first got started, people had no idea what I I was talking about. And we had a few people who were trying to help us market and whatnot. And they said, this will never work. It's uh, uh, something that's fresh and then frozen. You know, how are you ever going to do this? And um, I stuck to my guns and said, no, there's got to be another way of feeding our dogs other than highly processed commercial food. And um, this is something that I have done all of my life. My, since I was nine years old, it was a family tradition. We got our first dog when I was nine and uh, we had our little miniature poodle, uh, Mitzi, and my mother adored her. I swear to goodness that she cooked more for the dog than she did for the rest of us. But um, in those days too, I think people were eating more processed food and my dog was not. Um, uh, In those days, too, it was very interesting because you would get your dog from a breeder and they never they took dogs from weaning off the mom and they would would introduce them to food very similar to the way we do it with children in that they went on pablum and then they went on a little bit of of, uh, meat, a little at a time, one type of protein at a time to the point where you eventually uh, gradually switch your dog over to uh, a people quality food, or in those days it was canned. And I remember when my mother had gone through that transition phase, she opened a, a can of dog food and said, ah, I can't feed my dog this. So she continued to cook and she would, I mean, she didn't have a nutrition background by any means, but she had a lot of good common sense. And so she would get good quality cuts of beef and cook them and mix it with, at that time, she used white rice and uh, farmer's cheese and canned vegetables, because that's what we did way back in the 60s, 50s, 60s. So um, she did that. And, uh, but, you know, she started to expand from there. She went on to, instead of beef, she did lamb and chicken, and and she would mix in some beef heart. And uh, she was really quite innovative at that particular time. But I, again, when you're a child, I thought that's what everybody did. So I continued to do that as an adult. When I had my own dogs, I, um, I cooked for them. And, uh, and then when I went on to chiropractic college, we had a four-year nutrition background, and it was mandatory to take nutrition at that point in time. So 
nutrition was always really important to me. And it was a basis of the way I, I fed my dogs, my children, the way we ate. Uh, and so it was really a start from my mother who uh, made it into a family tradition. And so as I recall, you grew up in Canada and then made your way to the U.S. where um, you couldn't find healthy food for your dog, right? I know you continued to cook it, but you were sort of astounded by all the, the, the shelves of kibble that you saw. Well, that's true up in Canada as well. And it, I think it's just the, I think the, the impetus even more was the 2007 melamine situation where so many dogs, over 5,000 dogs and cats died from melamine contamination of, of processed dog food, particularly kibble. They were trying to, at that point, artificially raise the, uh, the amount of protein that was seen in the food or that was measured in the food. And uh, naturally, it's much more expensive to use real protein like beef and, and meats than it is to artificially raise it with something like chemical coal, like melamine. But so many animals died. And I just thought, you know, this is, that's just not the way things should be. And uh, my butcher, who we uh, got our meats from, who did a custom grind for me, said, you know, I know it's just the two of you at home, so you must be doing something with this ground beef. And uh, he said, if you can put it together, uh, I'll sell it in my uh, butcher shop. So that's kind of how it became known to the public. It wasn't something that we, uh, that I was doing on a commercial basis. I was just feeding my own dogs. But I worked together with the Department of Agriculture here in South Carolina and worked with uh, the uh, gentleman who had his PhD in, in animal nutrition. And we ended up getting a food that was the correct balance of, of protein, carbohydrates, et cetera. And, uh, and we went on from there. So it was, it was an interesting challenge too, also because there was nobody doing this as we noted. And so we didn't know how to ship. We didn't know how to, to get it, what kind of packaging to do. So we had to do all of that research to, to make sure that we get it to the consumer in a, in a timely manner and, and it, making sure it was still frozen. So let's back up just a little bit. I didn't realize this. So it was your butcher that inspired you and you sold it in his shop in South Carolina? Yeah, he was the one who actually pushed me to do it. He just kept saying, you've got to do this. And he said, there are so many dogs that, especially in the South, that have a lot of skin issues. And uh, and again, he's a big dog fan as well. And he knew about the, the situation with the melamine scare. And um, so he was the one who was really pushing me to do it. He said, it's, and then we ended up getting on Turner they, they heard about us and they came in and did a little video with he and I, and that's still on our, our website from uh, a long time ago when, uh, when Jeff Scott was helping me with all that. But yeah, no, and that kind of, that little video shows us the, uh, the history of, of how we started, but it was, it was Jeff Scott who pushed me into doing it. <laughs> well, that's great. And then, so then how did you find um, your friend with the PhD in, in nutrition that helped you? Well, I, I didn't know where, again, it wasn't as common to be able to find consultants in, right. in animal and most veterinarians and still to this day, they don't study nutrition. It's now an elective, but it isn't a mandatory program. So they, that wasn't something that they were familiar with. Um, but I phoned up the Department of Agriculture just because I will phone anybody and talk to anyone about, <laughs> about what we do. 
And um, he, they put me through to, to Phil Trepsker, who is the PhD there. And uh, he just thought I was hilarious. But, um, and I can't, I mean, goodness gracious, that man had patience. I would call him with every question. I would send him samples and he, bless his heart, uh, he would test every sample I sent and they had a lab on site. And so he would test every, every time I did a change or if we had any recipe, he was very, uh, he was very gracious at uh, testing all, all of my samples and thank goodness. And what especially then, this? this was 2007. So this was 2007. And so how long did it take you to refine the product? Well, you know, my, my mother was pretty smart. So the, the percentages of protein to carbohydrate were, were really good. And, uh, and they met the, and exceeded what was the AFCO uh, um, standards at the, at the time and still do, of course. But, um, and then we just, we changed around a little bit of the fat because I, and uh, because I'm pretty crazy. I didn't like animal fat in my food because it, even though it was good quality food, beef, I still wanted something that was going to contribute to a healthy digestive system. So we would drain off the animal fat and we still do and add extra virgin olive oil, which has antioxidant properties. It is easy to digest. It actually helps with the gallbladder uh, to be able to process food. So it's it's so much healthier than just ordinary animal fat. So we mixed that up a little bit. And I, um, and so it was actually pretty quick that we were able to, he was very impressed at our, our ratios of protein to, uh, to carbohydrate. They just wanted me to up our fats a little bit. So I'm going to jump around a little bit. So I apologize, but I'm, I'm curious, how is what, um, what you have through Lucky Dog different from what someone might make at home cooked and raw because a lot of my friends feed their dogs raw and it's interesting I was just talking to another friend of mine the other day who has um, started cooking her dog's food and one of the uh, some of the feedback that she got was make sure that there's some additional nutrients and supplements in it for the dogs. I'm personally a big fan of getting as much of your nutrition through whole foods as possible. And uh, the idea of supplementation came about because traditional dog food is cooked at such high temperatures. So the amino acids are damaged, all the nutrients, the vitamins and minerals are often damaged. And so they had to supplement in order to make it something that would be viable for dogs. As we grew, there was more and more pressure to add supplements. So that was another uh, thing that we had to go through. But to answer your question, it is people get, they, they seem to think that dog food is some sort of medicine and dog food is, and food for us all is a preventive part of your healthcare, just like exercise and proper diet and whatnot. And you are still much better off cooking for your own dog than doing anything else. Even if there's the odd little bit of, of uh, deficiency in, in some nutrients, it is not as harmful as, as, as it's made out to be. Uh, it's just like when you feed your children, you're not looking at every single meal that they have as being complete and balanced. You go through the day and you eat a variety of foods that will help to balance that out in nature. And same thing with our recipes. We have seven recipes and you could, I always recommend people rotate through the various recipes so that you get a variety of 
vegetables and fruits and different proteins and different starches, those things are important because they have various uh, vitamins and minerals in each of those ingredients. So I think that cooking for your dog is, is a great and a wonderful option away from any kind of processed food. So I think people should just relax, feed a variety, just don't feed always beef and rice, for instance, feed them different, uh, you know, whether it's lamb or chicken or pork or whatever, and, and try to get a variety in there. But, um, and then again, like your own diet, if you wanted to supplement with a dog supplement of some sort, there's lots of different types of vitamins on the market, you could always do that. I personally even don't take vitamin supplements, maybe a vitamin C, but um, because we get most of our nutrition from our diet. And what about raw? What, what's your thought on feeding raw versus, I mean, because your food is cooked. Yes, our food is cooked. And when we first started, uh, raw was 3% of the market. It has grown tremendously since then in popularity. But the only option at that point was canned kibble or raw. Mm-hmm. And I think that anybody who got away from feeding canned or kibble and went to raw was doing their dog a tremendous favor. And I think that not all dogs can um, can digest a raw diet. And, uh, some older dogs, or if they have any kind of immune compromise, whether they're they have some sort of uh, illness, sometimes they can't digest raw. And so we provide an option for that as well. Some people don't like the idea of feeding raw. They, they just psychologically can't do it. So that's their option as well. But I think that if you talk to 10 different nutritionists in the people industry, you'll hear different opinions as to whether, you know, as people, we should we be on a raw diet? Should we have cooked? Should we do this or that? Vegans and vegetarians and whatnot. I think people have to find what works best for them and for their dog and see how well they do on those particular diets. But I think raw is great. Yeah. It's, it's raw and ours are really the best ways to feed your dog. Just don't do the, the, uh, the highly processed kibble and canned. So what was the first um, meal that you developed? Um, the original beef and rice recipe was, was the one that we started off with four recipes uh, again, based on my mom's. Um, and so that, that was the, the original beef and rice. We started off using Angus beef and uh, really good qualities of Angus beef, but I wanted something even better at that point. As we started to grow, I uh, ended up getting in touch with a local farmer who was awesome. And we've been using him for the last probably 10, 11 years. Oh, wow. But, he he has grown with us and he's been able to keep up with our growing demand and it's wonderful but we use grass-fed humanely raised beef and pork from him and he will do a custom grind for me so he adds in a small percentage of beef heart and beef liver which are really healthy and and add lots of great nutrients for dogs um, in the right percentage and and having grass-fed means everything is just uh, there's less fat, there's more nutrients. And we've been really fortunate to be able to have an option for him with him. He's been great. So we become great friends. So you said something interesting, Janice, you said in the right percentage, how do you know what the right percentage is of that organ meat? Um, I don't like to see, again, it's a, it's a personal thing. I don't like to see a huge amount of organ meat. Mm -hmm. Uh, We use about five, maybe 10%, depending on, uh, on the mix, but 
it just a small percentage of organ meat. Most of it is is muscle meats, and um, but but they do add nutrients. Uh, heart, for instance, has coenzyme Q10, which mm-hmm. is fabulous antioxidant. Liver provides great iron and vitamin A, vitamin A. So, but you just don't want too much organ meat and uh, which could create some uric acid issues and whatnot. So they're just a small amount to be able to add those extra nutrients. So I, um, I think we should let our listeners know that your, your food is it's subscription based, right? So I've been, I receive it every month. It comes frozen. And then I thought in the refrigerator, um, I don't heat it. I just leave it in there and it thaws. And then yeah. I s- split it up with boomer and poppy. Um, but it is a, it's a nice mix of meat, vegetables, there's a starch in it, um, maybe some dairy, like one of them has cheese in it, doesn't it? Well, we have, uh, all of them have some sort of dairy in them, except our pork recipe. Okay. Uh, it Prickly adds, pork? Or is it porky pork? Um, it's picky palate pork. Picky palate <laughs> pork. That's right. Yeah. Picky yeah. palate pork. Yeah, that's. That we get four paws up on that one. They love that one. Yeah. My uh, one-year-old golden doodle, I think that's his favorite as well. And we use Canadian quinoa in that. And, um, but yeah, it, it, we, we use cheeses and yogurt. It's always, everything is controversial, it seems, but cheese, and we've been doing this forever. I mean, I've been feeding our dogs this for like 50, 60 years now, but cheese provides an excellent source of protein and calcium and is easily digested. Uh, we use some yogurt in our turkey recipes because it does provide us with, um, again, the calcium, but the probiotics that, that are our uh, natural probiotics. And uh, yeah, so we, we do, and we're the only company in North America that uses cheese and yogurt and uh, extra virgin olive oil and all the herbs that we use that also provide nutrients and, uh, and antioxidants. So everything we do is try to get as much nutrients and provide great anti-inflammatory properties. Now we do get little treats. There are crunchy little treats that come with the food every month. So, and those are, those are baked, right? They are baked. And again, something you could eat yourself. They're a bit bland, but uh, we call Molly where she, she's my cookie monster. Oh my God. She goes over to the cookie. Uh, Molly's munchies. Yes. And she just will drool over them. She'll come out. She'll come inside from out and sit by the cookie jar and look at it, like using the force to get those cookies to come out of the bowl and into her mouth. So uh, she adores them, but yeah. And because she gets them, so does uh, Liam. So how did you come up with the um, subscription model as opposed to you know, selling to retail, like I think fresh pet, right? Isn't fresh pet in yep. stores? Yep. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you're really the first one that had that subscription sign up. It, we, we started though too, Karen, when people, if you look back at what happened in 2008, nobody was using subscriptions. Nobody, lots of people, most people didn't shop online. Uh, it, they didn't, do a lot of research. They didn't, there wasn't a huge e-commerce boom like there is now. And when we first started, there was no way of even paying. We had to use PayPal at the beginning because things like Shopify and all that weren't available yet. And they, they started to, and nobody was shopping on their phones or, or any of those sorts of things. So it was really an interesting time, but um, 
we had naturally everybody had told us we should start and, and do grocery stores, but it really wasn't my passion. I wanted to run this business much like I did my practice, my chiropractic practice in that I knew all of my, my uh, patients really well. I didn't have a huge volume of patients, but I did have people that continued to stay with me for the 25 years I was in practice and they brought their families. It was a really nice practice. And I wanted something similar with our dog food business. I wanted to get to know people. Um, you know, that's why we send Christmas gifts out every, every Christmas, because we, we really do appreciate and, and care for our clients. Jeff spends most of his time answering emails and they all know him. And um, so it, it's, that was the way I had wanted to go so that when I shipped something to a client, I knew how it would arrive. I didn't have to worry about whether if we used a grocery store, then you have to have another supplier come and pick up your product, send it off to the store. I didn't know whether it would get defrosted in the store, what the, the quality of the product would end up like. So this way we had a little bit more control over that too. But we were in seven whole food stores in the South here. And I mean, they put us in the baby food aisle. We ended up doing a bunch of freezers and then a new manager would come through and say, oh, well, we're going to change around that. So it was really difficult to have consistency. And um, I would rather gain, get to know who I'm selling our food to. So that's part of that. I appreciate the spatula. I appreciate the (laughs) apron. I'm trying to think what else I've received over the years. I think I got a book one year. Yeah, that was probably just as something that we sent you. We weren't even selling them at that point. It started off as a little brochure and then we ended up uh, having my dog write a book about what it's like to be a dog and interact with people. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. Yeah. Um, But that was just for fun. And then we used the proceeds of that to go to local charities. So we gave away the money from that too. That was a lot of fun. And uh, uh, yeah, reading Jeff's sense of humor written as a dog is pretty funny. But yeah, no, we, this is what I'm doing currently. I'm looking around at what we're going to do for this year's Christmas gifts. I have an idea, but I'm not telling you yet. Karen. Okay. I'll wait. I'll, I'll, I'll wait for the surprise. Yes. Uh, so, so we were, we had, Boomer has to be one of your early customers because he's 12 years old. Yes. And he, and there's, there's another client that we have is the very first client. She's still with us that we ever shipped to. Uh, she had tried our dog food at a local restaurant or her dog did, and she loved it and wanted to have her dog having it when she was back in Washington. She's um, Washington, D.C. She was down here in Hilton Head. And um, so we had to try to figure out how the heck are we going to ship this to her? So we figured that out and then FedEx um, lost it. Oh, so no. <laughs> she was pretty patient with us. We sent another one. And uh, so that was a very first shipment and she's still on our product now. So thank you to Lula. She's a sweetie pie. Aww. So how are, um, how has the sourcing of your products changed over the years? I, I remember talking to Jeff once and you were coming out with your fishy, fishy food and you had a, didn't you turn down several uh, fish options on that one? I didn't want anything that had something called STPP. That, that is a chemical that they use to prevent the food from, uh, or for, prevent the fish from uh, getting freezer burn. So they would spray that 
on it when it was being processed on the ship or when it was being processed in the facility. I looked through a bunch of, of different types of fish and I had had a local fish supplier who had catfish. I thought that would be great to have something local, but it was farm raised and I wasn't crazy about the whole farm raised issue. And we ended up making friends with a, a gentleman who owns a, uh, a distributor for, for fish and they, they supply all the big restaurants all over the place. And they also have a lab on site. So oh, wow. I made him, I asked him very nicely if he could test our fish for any signs of STPP. So he very graciously did that. And so we've been using his fish ever since. So we're using right now wild caught Alaskan Pollock. And um, it has been, uh, and, and again, we want to get fish that doesn't have any bones. So there's a lot of uh, prerequisites to that, that I really wanted to make sure it was sustainable, wild caught, and didn't contain STPP. It took me about a year and a half, almost yeah. two years to find it. Yeah, that's right. amazing. Talk about dedication to your, to your product. I mean, that is really admirable. Yeah, it was, um, it was a very, uh, I, I, I still feel that you need to feed your, your, your furry babies the same sort of food that you would eat. We always say, if you would need it, don't feed it to your dog. And that's exactly how I feel too about, uh, about the quality of the foods that we, that we use. And right now, actually, we're having with the, uh, the lovely uh, uh, embargoes and uh, shipping issues, we're now using Icelandic Pollock. And uh, because we can't get the wild caught uh, Alaskan, but as soon as we can get back to that, we will, but I've had that Icelandic Pollock is also free of STPP and it is wild caught and sustainable, but it's been a challenge to, to come up with our, our ingredients and the quality that we use with, especially in these particular times that are, are more difficult. So where do you process and uh, pack and ship from and, and how many employees do you have now? Well, we used to have seven or eight. <laughs> now we have three because oh of all the labor issues that are, have been happening. And, uh, but uh, we have a 5,000 square foot commercial kitchen and we have a manager. Everyone that works with us has their food safety certificates and uh, we do the best we can with it, with a shortened uh, labor pool, with a smaller labor pool than we would like. And unfortunately, it's putting a lot more stress on poor Jeff, who's up there all the time now helping out with, uh, with everything that needs to be done. But uh, yeah, it's been a challenging time the last two years, but, uh, but we're keeping up. So you do, all the, you do all the production, packaging, and shipping yourselves? Yes, ma'am. We, uh, we, uh, I always call it cooking as opposed to production because we're not fair, a... Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Processing always has a, a, a kibble connotation to me, but we cook in, uh, in big steam kettles and we do that so that all the, the heat is distributed evenly and we can cook it faster to the temperatures we need to without damaging any of the, uh, of the nutrients. So uh, yes, and, and then we blend in the various other ingredients that we use and, uh, and then we package it ourselves and everything is vacuum sealed and uh, uh, yeah, put it on flat trays so that everything gets nice and flat and all the packages look, look nice and even. And then we freeze it to minus 20 Celsius as, as much as we can, we get it down to that uh, temperature 
and then send it out the door on Mondays. But we cook everything on the uh, during the week. This week we'll be cooking for this coming Monday. So do you cook all week long? Monday to Thursday, we take Fridays off to, to clean and service our equipment and all of that. But we cook Monday to Thursday and we ship on Mondays. Oh, that's incredible. So what's your, uh, what's your distribution now? Well, we, we're shipping all over the U.S. We started out uh, locally and uh, now we ship, gosh, we ship as far away as Washington State and Oregon and uh, we've shipped to Hawaii. We do have some celebrity clients now, which is really fun and exciting and ones that have been with us for almost as long as you, Karen. So uh, that is fun. And now my daughter has left her job and she's doing Lucky Dog Cuisine Canada. And this is her fifth year in, uh, in business there. And so she supplies Canada with Canadian locally sourced ingredients as well. So it's a, it's a separate facility in yes. Canada? Oh, that's yes. great. As a separate uh, commercial kitchen, getting things across the border, again, with a frozen product, we don't want anything being stuck in, in uh, customs. So she can get it out from, from Canada a lot more efficiently than from here. So can U.S. and Canadian customers go to your same website? To yes, sign we're up actually, order? we're in the middle of, of creating a new website and uh, it will geolocate to Canada and, uh, or to the U.S. So it's, uh, it's hopefully we'll be uh, launching that new site uh, by the end of October. Oh, that's great. And people will have an opportunity, which they, and for you too, Karen, where you can go in and, and sign up and have your own uh, login and you can change your recipe selection or your dates or uh, shipping information on that as well. So it'll be a lot easier for, for people to manage. Yeah. You know, it's pretty easy for us. I mean, we haven't changed anything in 12 years. No, you're years. great. <laughs> you're great. We're, we're very happy with everything. I mean, they, oh, that's wonderful. They know, they, they know when the box comes. They're very excited. We need more pictures of those cute puppies. Well, that's very easy to do. I'm more than yes. happy to get you photos. That yeah, I don't think wonderful. I've sent any of Poppy. I know that um, I've submitted one of Casey and Boomer back when we yes. had our sweet Casey um, but yeah, I got to get some of Poppy. She's, she's an enthusiastic eater. So she's a very good customer. Yay. Well, you know, there shouldn't be anything like a picky eater. I think that's, uh, most dogs love to eat. And, uh, and I think people tend to make dogs into picky eaters. So yes, that's good. I agree. So, um, I did notice on your website that Megan Trainer's a big fan of lucky dog how fun is that i know and uh yeah she was written up in rolling stone and mentioned us at that point so that was very exciting and uh, and we have others as well but uh i just mentioned them or (laughs) well you know i I respect their privacy yes of course i I don't want to uh, we used to have and unfortunately uh we used to have channing tatum on as a client, but uh, I don't know what happened. I think that after he and his wife broke up, I think that was the end of that, but it was, it was fun. He was very sweet. And oh, that's uh, very nice. Yes. So um, what impact have, have companies like Ollie had on you? I mean, that's kind of, I mean, seriously, they've pretty much copied your model. 
Oh, they copied at the, at the very beginning though, too, Karen, we just, we were there naturally starting in 2007. We were incorporated in 2008. And then all of these other companies started it in 2016, but they used our model to be able to go out and get funding. Naturally, when we first started, nobody knew what we were doing. So they wouldn't give us any money. They said, you people are crazy. It's never going to work. And then because we were around for that many years, they, places like Farmer's Dog and, and Ollie, they went into venture capitalists and Farmer's Dog is owned by a group of venture capitalists. So they were able to raise tons of money to do TV commercials and all the things that they do. So they had the money behind them for sure. Right. Uh, and, and you did all the R&D. I did. Uh, all the research and development we did all of the marketing, even the, the our packaging. Farmer's Dog has copied our packaging completely. And uh, even wording, the things that we say that, you know, you don't need a chemistry degree to, to read our label or uh, from our, our kitchen to yours, all of these uh, intellectual property uh, things that we had started are being used by other people now. Yes. So it's, uh, it, it's disappointing. But uh, it's good at least to get the the concept of what we do out there. So when people look for Farmer's Dog, they may find us because there's more impetus, there's more drawn, there's more information now about uh, fresh cooked food. So that's it's. But it, yeah, it's it has been frustrating. Anytime you're a pioneer with anything, it's uh, it's pushing a rock up a hill for sure. I mean, Farmer's Dog does a lot of. Um... TV, I'll say mainstream advertising, and Ollie does an awful lot of online advertising. What sort of marketing and advertising have you done? Because um, a lot of it, I thought, at least early on was word of mouth. I mean, that's how I heard about it is a friend of mine that worked with you told me about it. And I was an enthusiastic you know, customer, yeah, you've been anything, wonderful. Yes. anything for my new puppy, right? I mean, I was happy to do it, but ha- how have you been marketing and advertising over the years? Well, naturally we don't have the funds, the multi-millions of dollars of funding that these other companies have. And we're probably the only company that is self-funded and that we cook our own product. There aren't that many self-funded uh, ind- independent companies. We don't have a board of directors that we have to uh, uh, cater to. We can make our own decisions based on what we feel is right for the for the company. But we do. Uh, when I first started, we did a lot of TV shows. I was on all across from from California to Washington D.C. We did a lot of that to start with. And we had a PR company that would manage to get me on these shows and have the hosts eat dog food and have the yuck factor uh-huh. of dog food on there. So that that was fun. And that was the way we first got started. And Facebook was just getting nobody. I think Twitter was just starting when we got involved. Um, so we, we met people through Facebook and they started telling others and they did a little bit of videos for that for us as well. And it, it kind of started like that. And now we do ads on, on Instagram and Facebook and, uh, and certainly the usual Google AdWords that go out, but, um, but certainly not the same volume as, as the other companies do. But mostly it, we keep our clients, which is the basis of our business. We try to keep everybody happy. We respond to them as individuals, as opposed to having to, to go through some corporate hierarchy, we, we are the ones that answer the phone, the owners of the company, and that is unique. And we've maintained that. So I think that sort of loyalty, the, the fact that people have stayed with us for so long, and we have great 
retention. Um, and that has helped our company to grow. And it's been rewarding from that respect. Well, hopefully the listeners of our podcast will join that group of happy customers. I mean, I've said it more than once. We now are on our third dog that um, loves Lucky Dog Cuisine. Oh, thank you, Karen. And it, again, I, I appreciate it. We've been known each other for a long time. I know I, I used to do some articles for your, uh, for your blog. And They're they, still no, on the website. That's great. And I, I always appreciate you and, and what you've been doing as well. And uh, if there's any way that we can help you out as well, please let us know. Well, I appreciate it. And, um, you know, I think the way that you probably helped me the most was through knowledge and education. I mean, I really started feeding Boomer Lucky Dog because of my friend, Catherine, who introduced us and had done some work for you early, early on. And um, it was really through my engagement with Lucky Dog and then um, living here in Alexandria, having a natural pet food store at the end of our our block that I began learning and really paying attention to our dog and our cat's nutrition. So I thank you. I thank you for the knowledge and I thank you for, for um, three healthy pets. Well, I appreciate that, Karen. And that's, that's all it takes is for people to understand why you shouldn't be eating processed foods. And I think that that awareness is growing for themselves and that will trickle down to how they feed their dogs as well. So I think the awareness of fresh food and, and the importance of getting your nutrition through whole food as opposed to uh, artificial things is, is, I think that's growing, fortunately, in that farm-to-table movement. People are more into that, that fresh, whole um, concepts. And I think that's a really good thing for our, all of our health, both our dogs and, and you and I, for sure. Absolutely. Well, you're certainly a pioneer in this space. And it's such a pleasure (laughs) to know you and to talk to you. And, you know, I consider my dogs very lucky dogs because of you. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate that, Karen. You're very sweet. It's been fun. Well, thank you for your time today. And nice to finally see you, even though it's over Zoom. How did we um, not do this sooner? I know. Well, I think the one time I was down in your area, you were yes. out of town. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Too. That's yes, that's right. You that was a few years ago. Yeah, yeah I came was. looking for you, but I think you, you took a much needed break. <laughs> Either that or was hitting a hip replacement. Oh, no, a different, <laughs> a different kind of break. That's right. Not the, not the fun kind. Yeah, <laughs> not the fun kind. Oh, man. Well, Janice, thank you so, so much. Thank you, Karen. And uh, I just hope that people realize that there are real people behind what we do. And and education is just such a wonderful thing. And I am glad awareness is spreading. Well, anything we can do to help, we will. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.